There we go, 2 Corinthians. I'm on a roll today. You better be ready. I'm telling you. I got a word this morning. <clears throat> I got a word this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. Let me find it. Starting in verse 7. So to keep me, say, God is keeping me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me, say, to keep me. Say, God is keeping me. To keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace, say, I'm positioned by grace. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. In other words, whatever's happening around me, I don't care even what happens to me. Because I know all them things are pushing me and shoving me towards Jesus. Nothing the enemy can do can stop me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Lord, we thank you that in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. We thank you that it's in the weak place that you will decide to reveal yourself to us in ways we never thought possible. And I pray, God, we would understand that and we would have the heart of Paul in that, that we'll boast in the weaknesses that we have because it's in those places we realize how much we need you. Let us all see that today, I pray. Lord, touch your people. Speak to the hearts of your people. Holy Spirit, be in this place. Reveal truth to us today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Before you're seated, tell a couple people, I'm positioned for revelation. I'm positioned for revelation. I'm positioned for revelation. What's happening, CWC? How y'all doing today? Come on, if you're in-house, shout, I'm good. If you're online, shout, I'm good in the chat. Come on, somebody. But it's so good to be here. I got a major rumbling up here. Please get rid of that. <clears throat> to look. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Cease in Jesus' name. <laughs> Make it real spiritual. Cease. No, I'm just kidding. No, but man, it is so good to be here with everyone today. Amen. 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 It's good to, to gather together. And today is a day that the Lord has made. Come on, we'll shout and be glad in it. Come on, if God's been good to you, make some noise. Jesus, we worship you. I'm telling you, man, I'm fired up today, for real. 
For real, I'm fired up today. So, hey, put some fire in the chat for me, online community, right? Blow some wind in my sails, man. God has a, has a word for you today. And uh, yeah, man, I love it when God has something for us to deposit in us in the times that we find ourselves in because it's incredibly important, especially the time we find ourselves in right now. Amen. And, and look, here's the thing, man. God will set hearts ablaze for hearts that are truly his. He will set your heart ablaze. He will light it on fire if your heart is truly his. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the entire earth, searching for hearts that are, are truly his. And when he finds hearts that are his, he sets it on fire. And with fire comes revelation. He'll set it on fire. Not hearts that say, I'm yours as long as you do what I want you to do. No, 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 no. Hearts that say, God, come hell or high water. I'm telling you, God, come failure or success. Come certainty or uncertainty. Come prosperity or even poverty. Come sickness or even health. Come weakness or strength. God, I'll, I'll follow you with everything that is within me. These are hearts that are truly hungry for him, the heart of Job that says, although he slay me, I will still serve him. The heart of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that says, yeah, you can toss me in the fire. And yes, my God can save me from it. But even if he doesn't, we'll still worship him. Even if these things happen to me, God, it doesn't change my position with you. You're still my king. I'm still yours and you are still mine. Come on, tell your neighbor, say I'm his, and he's mine. We're going to do a lot of talking today, so I hope you came prepared for it, ready for it. That's the title of our message today, in case you didn't pick that up yet. <clears throat> Position for Revelation. So look, man, this past week, God changed our direction. He really did. He, he changed it up on us. Um, and, and, and look, man. It's funny, right, because I had a plan of where we thought we should go, right? And, and the Lord said to me, he said, no, 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 you can't be there. You've got to be here first. You've got to be right here. I mean, I even bought something to do an illustrative sermon. I mean, we've been on this thing, man. Like, I had it ready to go. And, uh, and the Lord said, no, 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 you, you can't go there. And so I was up till 3 in the morning writing this sermon last night. Praise God. <clears throat> but the grace of God is sufficient for me. But, but no, he, he, he changed the direction. And, and the reason that I share with you that he changed the direction is, is because he isn't doing it just for me. He's doing it for you and for me, for us together. It's a together thing. How many of you understand that? This is a body of Christ. We are a body. We are a family. We are a community of believers. Jesus lovers. Amen. And so he's doing it for, for us. And so he changes directions right and and look you wouldn't know it if I, if I didn't tell you it but, but I find it very important to inform you of it because I, I hope that it highlights the importance of the moment I, I really do l like you'll start to say to yourself man I must get this at this time so that I'm ready for the things that are coming at me so that I'm ready for the next revelation that God has for me 
See, the Bible says that he is the everlasting God. That, that no man can fathom the depths of his understanding. It says he is a God that hides himself from people. That's what the Bible said. He hides himself. It tells us that we need to go from, I just said it a little bit ago, from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. Another way of saying that is to go from one degree of revelation of who Jesus is. Listen, I pray to God in a week from now, my revelation of Jesus is different than it is right now. I pray it is. I know it's a lot different than it was when I first met him. Right, and so we are to go from one degree of revelation to the next degree of revelation. Jesus in Luke chapter 10, he says it this way. He says, Father, I praise you. Lord of heaven and earth, I, I give you glory. And I am so glad that you revealed these mysteries to your children. Th this is what he says. This is what he says. The Bible says to study, to show yourself approved by God. Study, be in his word, go after him. I want to know you better, God. And so what am I trying to say? This, this is what I'm saying, okay? Revelation will only build upon revelation. That's what it does. So we have to be sure. We have to be vigilant. We have to be mindful. We have to be mindful to receive what God has for us in the current seasons or the current places that we are in so that we are prepared for where he is taking us. So that we receive the next revelation for the times that we will find ourselves in the future. This is, this is why it's so important. This is why I tell you about, hey, we were going to go there, but now we're here. So you realize this is the revelation that all of us have to catch right now. How many have ever been in, in a car with a person and that person didn't know the directions? How many have ever been in that, right? You got to tell them where to go, right? Most of us, nobody, praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to get some, yeah. I should have just left it. How many of you have been in a, in, a, in a car with a person? Like, I just need interaction. That's all. I'm, I'm starving up here. Throw me a lifeline. But you're in a car. You're with the person. The person doesn't know the, the directions. And so you have to give them the direction to, to tell them where they're, they're going. And, and so you do that, right? That's what you do. And you both get there fine. And when you get there, you have a great time, right? But then it's time to leave. And you go to leave, to head to the next destination, but because this person wasn't paying attention, they have no idea where they're heading. I mean, you just got there two hours ago, and they don't even know which way out of the driveway to turn, right? Like, <laughs> because they were just mindlessly going along, right? You say turn left, mindlessly turning left. You say turn right, they just mindlessly turn right. You say keep going straight, they just mindlessly go straight. They're not paying attention one bit of where they are headed. And so when it's time to leave, they have, they have no idea what direction to head. See, I think a lot of times this is exactly what we do in the house of God. A lot of times we, we find ourselves, right, struggling in our lives. Struggling in our lives because we didn't pay attention to the revelation God was just giving. I really believe that. We just sit in church mindlessly Mindlessly listening, mindlessly singing, mindlessly falling asleep. Praise God, maybe I'll amp up the way I preach and you quit falling asleep. But we mindlessly just sit there and just hear things and not grasp the revelation that God is, is, is giving. And because we missed the revelation that he was trying to give us, we find ourselves struggling. 
struggling in our relationships, struggling in our marriages, struggling with our finances, struggling in our jobs, struggling with our parents. Come on, children. This is for you too. Praise the Lord. We got some young people in here, teenagers. See, we can't afford to be a people who just mindlessly sit in our chairs when the word of God is being preached, when the worship of God is being sung. Man, we got to join in with all the angels. We got to join in with all of them. And the entire time when the word of God is coming, Lord, touch my heart, soften my heart. I want to hear from you. Whatever it is you've given, God, I want it. Whatever it is. See, the Bible says this, the Lord won't put more on you than you can bear. Did you know that? He won't put more on you than you can bear. So that means according to the word of God. When we find ourselves in situations that we cannot handle, it's because we've missed something God had already tried to give us. It's so true. It's so true. Something God has already tried to reveal to us. We missed it because we weren't paying attention to what God was, was speaking. We weren't paying attention to his revelation. And so we find ourselves struggling. A revelation of who he is and what he can do will be the difference from walking in peace or walking in chaos. A revelation of who he is and what he can do will be the difference of just walking through life or walking in abundant life. And that doesn't mean everything's going to go good. That just means at the end of the day, I know Jesus has got it. Revelation of who he is and, and what he can do is the difference between walking in faith or walking in fear. It's the difference between just surviving or thriving in the presence of God. Revelation is the difference. It's the difference maker. We, we, we have to receive a revelation of him if we desire to live for him. And the revelation that God is currently giving will always help us get through our tomorrow. I will promise you that. The revelation he is currently giving will help you make it through your tomorrow. That's how good his word is. It's the living word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's guiding us through this thing called life. And so when God changes our directions, I, I like to tell you of it. And say, look, man, God shifted what we needed in this moment that we find ourselves in. So that we are prepared for the next revelation that he's wanting to send us. The next thing that he's wanting to do in us. Revelation always builds upon more revelation. Tell your neighbor, pay attention. If they're sleeping, poke them. If they're sleeping, elbow them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So look, in our text today, you guys with me? Yeah. In our text today, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, right? God has given Paul a great revelation. That's what all this is about. Revelation upon revelation. Matter of fact, if you back up into verse 2, we only read verse 7 through 10 because it's too much text to read all at once. So I said, ah, we'll just go back through the, the message. But if you back up to verse 2, this is what he says. He says, I know a guy. Come on, tell your neighbor. I know a guy. <laughs> he says, I, I, I know a guy in Christ. First revelation. 
It's the first revelation. I know a guy in Christ. See, he realizes you have to be in Christ to receive revelation from God. He realized he had to give his life to Christ to receive this great revelation from God. He realized he has to go after Jesus to have these incredible revelations and experiences with God. Listen, in order for us to have God pour revelation all over our lives, things that make people go, what? That boggle the mind? Because that's what revelation does, by the way. It boggles your mind. You're like, that is awesome. I don't even know how to explain. This is awesome. This is what revelation does. And in order to receive that from God, we have to be in Christ. If we ever want to live in this type of place that Paul is talking about living in. Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. Jesus says to his disciples, to those who are following him, he says to you. Come on, point at your neighbor. Say to you. To you. It has been given. It has been revealed. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven to you. In other words, if you've given your life to me, I will reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven to you, but I will hide it from those who aren't paying attention to me. Matter of fact, in Colossians chapter one, Paul says it this way. He says, the mysteries that have been hidden from generation upon generations have now been revealed to his saints, revealed to his people, revealed to a people who say, I want Jesus. That's what I want. I don't care who knows it. I don't care who sees it. I'm in love with him. Every fiber of my being wants him. To those people, you have revealed the mysteries of heaven. You've revealed it. God chose you. But it's because we are in Christ. This revelation starts in Christ. Tell your neighbor, you got to be in Christ. Got to be in Christ. So this is the first and the foremost thing that Paul is trying to get across in verse 2. I know a guy in Christ. And he goes on and he says, who was caught up? Man, you got to catch that. I know a guy who in Christ was caught up, captured, captivated, compelled, transfixed, transformed, grabbed a hold of and pulled in. This is what revelation does to us. It compels us to live for Christ. We can't help it because we've seen him. We're like, oh my goodness, I can't live without him now. I've already seen him. I've already touched him. I've already felt him. I have to have more of him. He was caught up. In this revelation, this is what it takes. Man, in this life, to live for Christ the way he's calling us to live for him. If we want the kingdom of, of heaven to be revealed to us, we got to be in Christ so that these things are, are given over to us so that God catches us with revelation. Revelation takes us from wanting what the world has to offer to wanting what God has commanded from us, which is really tricky for human beings, super tricky, because we want what we want. That's why we, it just, it just is what it is, right? This is, this is us. We want our best life now. And so for something to cause us 
to do something people are commanding of us. I'm telling you, if you come up to me on the golf course and you say, don't drive in between this yellow line, I'm going to try to drive in it. Just because you said not to. I wasn't going to do it before because you brought it to my attention. Cool. Right? Like, it's so true. These, this is human beings. I see a speed sign. It says 70 miles an hour. I'm going 75. Just because. Not even in a hurry. Stupid sign. Shouldn't have messed with me. <laughs> like for real. This is human nature. God's still working on me. Amen. This is human nature. It's only the revelation of God that causes me to hit my knees and say, Jesus, I want you. I can't, I can't live this life without you. I just can't. I don't, I don't even want to. You're so amazing. You're so amazing. This is the type of revelation that has happened to Paul. He's been caught up. He says, I know a guy in Christ who was caught up into the third heavens. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that that guy was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I, I, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which may, which may not be uttered by men. What's Paul saying? This is, this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, I'm not sure just how what happened just happened. I know that's probably not grammatically correct, but I got tongue-tied. I'm not sure how just happened what happened. I know that's definitely not right, but, <laughs> but you get my drift. I'm not sure. I don't know. God knows. <laughs> I can't explain it. I can't explain it in earthly terms. This is what he's saying. I just know, I just know because of it, I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Revelation will cause us to live for God. And at times, we will not be able to explain it with human words. We don't have the vocabulary. We don't have the dictionary. It's not wide enough or long enough to describe it. How God gives us revelation. Man, I'm telling you, I can remember when I first gave my life to Christ. There was an abrupt change in my life. An abrupt change. I stopped shooting dope. I stopped hanging with the same people. I stopped saying the same things. I stopped going in certain places. And people would say, what in the world happened to you? What, what happened to you? To this day, people who knew me BC before Christ will say to me, will say to others that know me, no, nah, that can't be Keith Deal. It's got to be a different Keith Deal. There's just, there's just no way. Because I hear what God has done, done with me, pastoring a beautiful wife, two amazing children. What God is doing is incredible. And they're like, no, no, this can't be, this can't be key deal. I knew what he was like. And to be really honest with you, I, I, I have a hard time explaining it to them in earthly terminology. All I know what to say is, man, I, I've, I've met the one that died for me. I, I don't know how to explain it. I met the one who loves me, who is for me, who stands beside me and, and goes all about me to keep me. I've met the one and I've, I fell in love with him and, and I'm not sure how to make it without him now. I don't, I don't have a clue. But I can't explain it. And I'm like, I don't know. God knows. And can I tell you, most of them look at me like I'm crazy. 
I'm dead serious. Like some of you are looking at me right now. <clears throat> I could care less. <laughs> I've met him. I've touched him. He's touched me. And I'll never be the same because of it. And I love it because his kindness is so good towards me that even when I find myself in seasons of struggling, he still comes after me. He still wants me. It's an incredible revelation of who he is. I can't explain it. I don't know. God knows. I don't have a clue, but he does. This is what revelation does for us. And it happens to those of us who are in Christ. He will empower us to live this life for him. Man, this is the grace of God upon our lives. This revelation of his grace. It is so powerful. It's the very power of God upon us and in us. Causing us to walk according to his, his statutes. This is... And if people look at you like you're crazy, who really cares? Amen. You're not crazy. You just had a revelation. Huh. That's okay. Why are they over there jumping and dancing and acting crazy? I had a revelation. I can't help it. I have to. I, I have to jump. I have to shout. He's amazing. He's, he saved me. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, I don't know. I don't know. It's just people thought he was crazy. People thought Paul was absurd. He's saying, yeah, but the, revel the revelation. And as we continue to, to read on in the, in the chapter, we keep going. What we find is something very interesting. Paul is referring to himself in the third person. It's really fun. I know a guy, he says. And he's talking about himself. He says, I, I know a guy. So it's like, if I ever do this. Smack me in the face. But, yeah, like, hey, man, I, I know a guy. He's pretty good looking. I mean, he's got blonde hair. I mean, he's even got green eyes, and he's chiseled like a piece of rock, right? Like, that's why I wear really big shirts. You got no clue. It's a revelation you'll never see. Praise God. Amen. But it, but it sounds crazy. If I did that, you'd look at me like I'm nuts. And you should, by the way. But, but Paul has something that he is offering and telling us here. There's a point to what Paul is doing. And he says this as he, as he keeps reading. It's revealed in verse 7. We have verse 7. Can you pull it back up, please? He begins to reveal it in verse 7. Okay. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. This is why. So Paul, he has this amazing revelation. And he's saying revelation has the ability to cause us to become conceited. To make us think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. This happens in churches all the time. And leadership especially. They get a revelation from God, not understanding it's the grace of God that revealed it to you anyway. You didn't earn it. Believe that when I tell you it. You didn't earn it. You ain't good enough. You just aren't. That's okay. Jesus is. <laughs> That's the point. That's the good news. But we see it in churches so often, people think they're, they're more spiritual than others and they're more lofty than others and they're above others and they should tell everyone else what to do. So true. 
because they've received the revelation. And so now they've gotten conceited. Revelation cannot cause us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. It cannot do that, but it does it. We find people thinking, hey, God can't do it without me. God can't do it without me. I mean, this revelation that he's given me, I mean, he couldn't build this church without me. My prayers are the ones holding it together. It's my revelation that's causing it to grow. I'm dead serious, this happens. God couldn't build this business without me. It's all because of me. It's my talents, my giftings, my, my abilities. That's why this business is built. And people become conceited like God couldn't do it without us. But did you know the Bible says something completely different? Completely different than that. Jesus says, if you don't worship me, the rocks will. So you go ahead and keep your mouth shut and watch me make the rocks cry out on my behalf. I'll receive my worship whether you want to give it or not. I'm going to get it. He looks and, he, and he's talking to the Pharisees and, he, and, he, and these Jewish people and he says to them, he says, uh, what, you think children of Abraham are great? God can turn these stones into children of Abraham. Who do you think you are? This is what the Bible, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us, which makes it a whole lot more special. Makes it a whole lot more special. Because I want you to think about it. When you rely on somebody, it's because you need them. Because if you could disregard them, you would. That's, human, that, that's us as people. Our, our need for one another causes such a, a tight unifying effect. But God's different. He don't need us at all. But yet he loves us and desires us. He, he desires to reveal to us the mysteries that he has. He desires that. We can't afford to become conceited in the midst of the, of the revelation, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And so in our text, Paul is making it known to us that he doesn't want to become conceited before us. So he begins to talk in the third person as if to say, amen, it's literally got nothing to do with me whatsoever. Nothing to do. It's all about him. I don't even care if you know it was me that received the revelation. I could care less. Because it's all about him. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. God didn't want Paul to become conceited because of what he had seen. He didn't want it. And so Paul was given this thorn in the flesh. None of us know what it is. They've been debating this for hundreds and thousands of years, right? Nobody knows because it doesn't say. But we do know a messenger from Satan made sure Paul didn't become conceited. Why? Because God will always oppose the proud. He rejects the one who is conceited but he exalts the lowly and the humble. He exalts the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. They shall have great revelation. He exalts the humble. And so he makes sure Paul wasn't going to become conceited. Verse eight says, and three times I pleaded. I pleaded with God. I pleaded with the Lord, take this. Take this from me. 
Lord, it should, it should leave me. God, God, please help me. God, please help me. Crickets. Nothing. Paul hears nothing. Doesn't hear a word. On the first time he prayed. You don't pray three times if you had an answer on the first time. I promise you. He said, I prayed three times. Father, please, nothing. Yet again, God, I really don't want to deal with this. I, I really don't want to go through this any longer. I'm, I'm tired of it, man. This thing has been plaguing me and, and hurting me for, for a long time. Please take it from me. Nothing. God doesn't respond. How many of you have ever been in that place where you're there right now? Where you've prayed God to remove something from you, but you're, you're just not hearing anything from him. That's what Paul's going through. Third time, God, Father, desperate. You don't plead unless you're desperate. Desperate for God to remove this thorn in his flesh. Father, I'm still dealing with this. Where are you? You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me, but I can't find you. I can't hear anything from you. What is happening? I need you. Then God responds. And look at the response. Lord, take it from me. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you in this season of hurt, struggle, pain. It's sufficient. For in your weakness, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Now, I will guarantee you this wasn't the answer Paul was looking for. You don't pray three times if you really don't care what the answer is. If you're not concerned about it, why pray about it? You won't. I'm sure it's not what he wanted to hear. He wanted God to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, I'll take it from you. Yes, son. Yes, son. I'll make it leave you. I'll pull that flesh from you. That, that thorn in the flesh, I'll pull it from you. I'll make the messenger from Satan flee from you. But that's not what happened. Nope. My grace is sufficient. See, I think a lot of times, right, we, we pray for, for God to do something in our lives. But what he does isn't what we were praying for. Right, like we, we, we pray for, for that perfect man, single ladies. We pray for the perfect man. We know it's him. And you see him walking towards you, but he passes you and goes to, to your best friend. <laughs> and boy, you're hurt. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not going to make it. The whole time, God is protecting you from that loser. Like, <laughs> ain't got a job. <laughs> ain't got nothing to do. No, I'm just kidding. See, there I go. Movie reference. Praise God. Pick it up if you understand. If not, let it go over your head. <clears throat> we pray a lot of times and God doesn't give us what we're asking him to give us. We pray for God to say something to us. But what he's saying isn't what we wanted him to be saying. And a lot of times, for a lot of people, this is a major problem. They walk away from God. They just, they just give up. And, and this is what happens a lot across the churches in America. Because, man, we've been conditioned to think God is here to serve us. That he's at our beck and call. That's, that's what we've been trained to think. But it's not true. God says, I sit in the heavens, high above everything. 
I know all, I'm in all, and you gotta be found in me. You've gotta fear me because I'm jealous for you. That's what he says. I'm jealous for you. We think it's all about us. And so we think, well, if, if it makes us happy, I should have it. I hear it all the time. Like, I mean, it makes me happy. So we, it's kind of cool, right? It makes me happy. No, it's terrible, actually. No, get rid of it. No. This is, this is what happens. We think, man, it wasn't supposed to, to happen this, this way. We think, man, because, because I'm still struggling with whatever it is I'm struggling with, God must be cool with me to live in it. Man, I've heard that so many times. Well, if God really wanted me to get free from it, he would have took, took it away from me. What? Sometimes it doesn't work like that. Sometimes it does. But sometimes he wants to hear you plead three times and still say, no, my grace is sufficient. What I've already done for you is enough. Sometimes that's what he says. We like to treat him, right? Like he's a genie in the bottle. We rub him, pops out. Let me get my three wishes, God. Do this, this, and this. And then I'm gonna rub you again tomorrow and get three more. We treat him like a parakeet, not the paraclete. I just need you to mimic back what I want you to say to me. This is what we do to him. And when he doesn't do what we want him to do and he doesn't say what we want him to say, we walk away. We give up. Like, ah, oh, it's cool. Like, I'm, I'm done. Others get angry, super angry and frustrated with God. Others will try to leverage their own faithfulness against God. Like, God, I've done all of this for you. Man, I've been in that place. What a scary, stupid place to be in. God, I've done all of this for you. This is what we do. And because I've done all this for you, now I'm gonna need you to do this for me, God. That's leveraging our own faithfulness. Doesn't work that way. This is not how it works when you serve a king. The king makes a decree and the people follow. That's it. It's not a democratic republic. It's not a vote. It's do what he says to do. And his grace empowers us to do that very thing. And so we all need this revelation of the king. We don't dictate the terms. He does. Jesus says, I know who love me by those who obey me. Those who fight to live for me. Those who fall down seven times, but every time they get right back up and come and follow me. Those are the ones that love me. Those are the ones. This is the message that God gives to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Chapter 12, sorry. We're getting to 11 in a minute. And if someone was going to leverage their own faithfulness against God, I promise you Paul's the one. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul tells of all that he had done for God. Shipwrecked three times and left for dead to preach the gospel. Beaten on nine separate occasions, so bad that it about killed him on nine separate occasions and they couldn't shut him up. Been locked up in prison so many times he can't even count him. He didn't mention that. He's locked up in prison right now when he's writing it. Doesn't even bring that up. This is the type of faithfulness that Paul had showed because of the revelation that he had of Jesus, by the way. 
not because of his faithfulness, but because of God's faithfulness in him and the revelation that God had given him. It, it, it helped him and caused him to be able to live through what he was going through. And even though he went through all that, God still said, no, I'm not taking it from you because I know what's best for you. I know what's best. The very thing that causes you to struggle can be the very thing that drives you to your knees if you allow it. Did you hear me? The very thing that causes you to struggle can be the very thing that God uses to draw you to your knees to depend on him and rely upon him if you allow him, if you allow him. Paul is reiterating in this, right? That man, we need to be positioned by grace because his grace is sufficient for us in every season that we find ourselves in. Paul doesn't whine about it one bit. Doesn't even whine about it. You know what he does? He received revelation in the middle of it. Think about that. He didn't get what he wanted. That's terrible. I'm like my four-year-old son. I don't, I don't get what I want, I throw a temper tantrum. Like for real, don't laugh at me and judge me. You do the same thing, <laughs> believe me. What, this, is, this is what he doesn't whine about it. Catch a revelation because of it. He says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'll be able to endure all this because I'm in Christ. And if this is what I have to endure, I'm good with it. The beatings, the hurt, the pain, if I gotta deal with it, I'll deal with it because it's better to live for him. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the revelation doesn't even matter what you throw at me, Satan. Because if I find myself on my knees before Christ, I know I'll be able to stand with Christ in this life. Come on and stand to your feet. We're gonna close this thing down. You guys with me? Man, I'm running late. Praise the Lord, sorry. We have to be positioned for revelation so that we understand we are positioned with enough. His grace is enough. His grace is enough for your life. His grace is enough. It's enough. It's sufficient for us. His grace is powerful enough to cause us to live this life for him. Completely live it for him. Free of sin in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. See, God's grace is not some mamby pamby recipe that we, we cook up in a cookbook and it makes us feel better about who we are. No, 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 no. It is the power of God surrounding us and filling us. Lives within us to strengthen us to go after him. And God is so powerful and God is so good. I want you to check this out. I got two more things. You guys okay? Two more things and we're done, I promise. Maybe. But God's so good and he's so powerful that what we see through the life of Paul right here what we see is this, is that Satan is God's secretary carrying messages to his people. I want you to think about that. A messenger from Satan came to Paul. 
Paul receives a revelation of how good God is. Boy, that's a backfire if I've ever seen one. Because what the enemy means for harm, God will always use for your good. Because he's working all things together for the good of those who love him, who are found in him, and are called according to his purposes. This is how good God is. He works all of it. But we have to pay attention to the revelation that he's he's speaking. The revelation that we don't have to live according to the flesh. We can live according to the spirit. We don't have to live bound by our sin and our past shame. We we don't have to live that way. And and I'm going to close with this. and, And I hope it encourages all of you the way it encouraged me. Because this story reveals all of that, but this as well. That greater the persecution, the greater the revelation, because there is a greater destination. There's something greater before you. This is why you're going through what you're going through. God has something amazing for you. The greater the persecution, greater the revelation, because greater is the destination. He has something. He has something. And so look, if, if you're struggling in your life with something hard and you can't just seem to get free from it and get away from it because it just keeps holding on to you, know this, God's got something great for you. God's got something great for you. If you have loved ones, right, sons, daughters, granddaughters, grandsons, nieces, nephews, be encouraged. The reason they're dealing with what they're dealing with is because God has something greater for them. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray right now that this revelation in our hearts of how amazing you are, of how powerful your grace is, that even though it don't tell tell us what Paul was going through, it does tell us it doesn't matter what he was going through. Your grace is sufficient for anything we go through. Lord, I pray your spirit upon them and your revelation to overtake them. Reveal to us, Jesus, exactly who you are. High and lifted up, I pray. I speak your favor and your blessing and your protection over each and every individual within the sound of my voice. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.